0: Welcome to Six Pack. I'm your host, Erin Inselman. This is an uncut show that supports parents in the enjoyment of raising children and having the fire and spirit to do life, with a side of sarcasm and humor, of course. I'm a mom of six, a wife, and a business owner in the health and fitness industry. Each week, myself and other experts will be sharing pointers and stories on parenting, self-growth, health and fitness, and relationships. Join me for this real and raw show dedicated to sharing tips, tribulations, and the triumphs of everyday life. Today on the Six Pack Podcast, we are launching a Mother's Day mashup. I have had the privilege to interview six amazing women that have shared their stories, their advice, and memories of Mother's Day. I'm excited for this Mother's Day mashup and for you to hear different stories that very important women in my life can share their advice and their memories with you. So, hope you enjoy this episode. To kick off, is Pam Oland, which is my mother, who has been just the most amazing role model for me and such a fantastic grandmother. My mom has three daughters, my sister, Tina, who you will hear later, myself, which is in the middle, and my sister, Shelby, who you heard on a previous podcast. And I'm very grateful that she was willing to share such an amazing story.
1: Grandma Olen was really, um, she was a very strong woman. And I think it was because she had to raise those six kids. Again, there you go, six kids. A lot of times by herself because she was married to a colonel and he was deployed many, many times. Yeah. And so she was a very strong woman, but very quiet because she was a Southern belle. And so her big attributes were kindness and generosity yeah. That's how I remember her, don't you? That's how I remember just,
0: her too. Yes. She was
1: so hospitable. Yes. And so since they did a lot of traveling, she would collect antiques wherever she would go and drag her kids along with her. Dad said he remembers taking, going to different antique stops. And her plan was that when they retired, she was going to open her own antique shop. So they always had some in storage, but a lot of their houses, had antiques well they had very very nice things one of the things that they had in their kitchen was a round oak table and it was gorgeous and it was had been redone and we always sat at that little tiny table when we would go have breakfast or whatever there and one day Shelby I think she was four or five had a piece of paper on the table and she was pressing really really hard writing s-h-e-l-b-y and she was so proud of it. And she asked me to come over and looked at. And I thought it was great. But we picked up the paper and there engraved in Grandma Olin's table was her name. <laughs> and I just was mortified. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't show my mother-in-law this, what I did to her table, her beautiful table. So I kind of covered it up again. And then finally I had to fess up. Yeah. (laughs) And she looked at it and I just thought, oh, what is she going to say? And she goes, I said, I am so sorry. Look what happened. She goes, honey, isn't that just precious? (laughs) But that was her. That was her. So I think wherever that table is today, it still has Shelby's name. That's awesome. Engraved in it. But it didn't bother her at all. And then she would let you girls drink out of little antique tea cups and I would just be so afraid and I would say, What if they break it? What if they she said, It it doesn't matter. We'll just get another one. Yeah. So I think having six children, you had to let a lot of things go. Sure. And you just let it go. And she taught me so actually it was four of them that are boys. Yes, the first four were boys. And so even though, you know, because I didn't grow up with a lot of material. Things in my house, yeah. but she had some beautiful things. Yeah, so my was gosh, old, they had
0: some beautiful things. And grandpa, I mean, stories that I heard that grandpa, whenever he would be deployed different places, I mean, there were things that he would bring back from her from other countries. Oh, I know. Especially being a pilot,
1: yeah. Exactly. But I did learn a lot. And I also learned a lot about cooking from her. And I learned a lot about cooking from my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So, you know, multitasking, that's what you do. And she was really a wonderful woman. Yeah. Very wonderful. Yeah, I agree.
0: Then we also have a dear friend of mine, Heather Callahan. Heather is a mother of two girls. And Heather and I met when I began my teaching career. And we had the privilege of team teaching together and becoming very dear friends. And we have been friends for 20 years now, even though we don't live in the same community, and in the same area, we do a great job of keeping up to date with each other and keeping in check.
2: I guess I'll start with a little advice, some things I've been thinking about, especially during the quarantine and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I feel like we have stories and we have pictures and we have things that we think about and we might pass on to a friend or share here and there. But I feel like there's so much power to the social media stories and the memories that creates. I don't know how long I've been on Facebook, but I love going back to the memories and seeing those things. So I feel like sometimes the post may not be as purposeful as I want, but more the purpose behind it might just be, I want that memory to come up five, seven, 10 years from now just to have those things, some kind of documentation. I feel like I used to be really good about printing photos, creating scrapbooks, (laughs) and that stuff has just gone haywire. Like I don't know the last time I printed out a Shutterfly book or I never did like the physical scrapbooking. I never got into the like physical paper stuff. I couldn't do it. I'm not very crafty. So I was more digital anyway. Right. So I just feel like that stuff's gone to the wayside. And right now, social media is kind of my go-to for those types of memories. One of the other questions I feel like I get, you mentioned my technology background. I do a lot with digital citizenship and kids. And I always get questions about should or shouldn't my 10-year-old or my 13-year-old or my 8-year-old or whatever have this account or that account? Should they have an Instagram? Should they have a Snapchat? Should they have this? And I guess my thing with all that that I tell people and kind of how I follow it is, you know, eventually these kids are going to get phones, just Mm -hmm. like they're going to get cars. And so when a child turns 16, do you just hand them the keys and say, go? Not typically. Typically, they've had driver's training. They've had a course they've driven with parents. They've driven with aunts and uncles, relatives. They've had all that practice building up to the time that they turned 16 and now they're on their own. Yes. And so I kind of correlate that to the digital citizenship type things. And so as a parent, you know, I know my child is going to get a phone eventually. If it could be today, she'd be thrilled, but that's not where we're at. That's not my intention right now. She doesn't have a need for one. However, the social media piece you know it's kind of the same thing with the driving like what can i do now to prepare her so when she does get a phone it's not here's the phone and here's snapchat here's instagram here's tiktok here's right. twitter and she has to learn all those things all at once and so my goal and different things that we've done here at home is to like on instagram she's signed into my account on her device so she can watch and see and then we can i can hopefully model Yes. The types of things that she should be looking at, the types of things that are out there. Mm -hmm. Yes, she can search and find different things, but it's just like Netflix, YouTube, those things, they have to learn to filter that out. They have to learn those habits just like we do. And so it's a way to train her mind and to train her into those types of things. Plus expose her the things that I'm seeing on social media. Same thing with TikTok. Like I got a TikTok account I don't mm-hmm. make TikToks. I don't have any Oh, come to on. Here. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any intentions of being a TikTok sensation. She might, but I don't. Right. But with all this quarantine, what was interesting is I came home from a meeting one day and she came in the room and she's like, hey, mom, I want you to know I created a TikTok account. And my jaw kind of dropped because in a real world, I would have expected the timeline to be... Mom, can I have a TikTok? And I'd walk her through that type of thing. Sure. But I listened to her. I'm like, I want to hear the story behind this. I want to hear the process. I want to hear what she said. So I just, my jaw dropped and I stopped. And I said, so how'd you do that? And she said, well, I want you to know, Mom, I use my email, but I went through the privacy settings and I set myself as private. No one can see. I have to approve followers, you know, all the things that I would want to hear. So but the things you head, taught her. Right. So right. in my head... I'm like, okay, this is all right. Because I've verbally, I'm very good about expressing certain things through that. So she knew what she was doing. We only had to go in and change one setting, which was kind of hidden in there. But it was one of those proud mom moments where I'm like, yeah. okay, all those conversations I've had, all those things I say out loud, she listens to what I say to other people. And yeah, she did it. Didn't ask ahead of time. She was kind of asking for forgiveness. Sure. Sure. But she also proved that she knew what she was doing. So that is kind of a, I guess that would be that's a mom a win. victory. Absolutely. Yeah, a mom victory in this quarantine situation. And I follow her now on TikTok. Everything seems to be totally appropriate. And-
0: I think that's fantastic for a couple of different reasons. One, you've obviously done such a good job front-loading to where she knew exactly what type of privacy to put on there and what privacy actually meant and how to be appropriate with it. And then the other thing is that, yeah, even though she, so to speak, was asking for forgiveness, she still came and was honest with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, she's still, it was one of those things where you could tell it was probably like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I still need to tell my mom because you, you have a good relationship with her. And mm-hmm. so she couldn't keep that from you. And that's probably because of the way that you've responded to her in the past. My sister, Shelby Harrington, will also be joining us and sharing a story. Shelby is a mom of two boys and Shelby is my younger sister. Shelby was actually interviewed in her role as a coach. And so you might be familiar with Shelby's voice and some of her stories
3: as well. Thank you. Very exciting. So when you asked me to do this and you were thinking like, oh, you know, tell me some stories about motherhood. And I was thinking, it's so funny, like you're a mom all day, every day. And my brain went blank. I was like, (laughs) I don't have any stories about motherhood. (laughs) And And then everything I was thinking about, I was like like I was trying to think of like a funny story and everything wasn't funny. (laughs) I was like, oh. And also it might be because I'm like seven weeks deep into lockdown. But yeah, maybe my brain's just stopping funny. I don't know. Anyways, so what I started thinking about is that I was trying to think about like impactful. So I became a mother um, a little bit later than what my sisters did. So I did kind of the whole like travel around. I like to go out and have a good time. Like I did all that. And then my career and that sort of thing. And so, gosh, I think I was 33 when Finley was born. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, I was somewhere around mid thirties when Finley Yeah. Was I think born. that's about right. And he, And he's my eldest. And in the UK, you have a whole year off on maternity leave. Thank God. Like, it's amazing. But you get that whole year where you're promised to have a job when you go back. And so I was thinking like, oh my God, this is going to be so amazing. Like I'm going to have this baby and my husband gets two weeks paternity leave. And so like for that two weeks, we're going to like just be walking around. We had just moved out of central London into kind of like commuterville. So it was like beautiful riverside like village. And we're going to go to coffees and walks. It's going to be like, ooh. Magical. Magical and wonderful. (laughs) And like, I kind of going to put a little bit of heat on my sister for this. Both my sisters and my mom for (laughs) not like telling me the real story. (laughs) But I think that it is kind of an unspoken code. Otherwise, people would never have children. (laughs) No, I think you forget. Yeah, maybe you block it out. (laughs) Like any other trauma in life. No, I'm just kidding. So (laughs) um, I'm kind of kidding. I'm only kidding a little bit. Or I'm only not kidding a little bit. (laughs) So basically, I had to be induced, which they do slightly different here. Ended up having to have an emergency C-section. So like birthing plan rubbish out the window obviously because they don't do like epidurals here straight away you have to like beg and plead and be in active labor before they even consider it so that they can usually tell you you're too far along to have an epidural (laughs) because (laughs) because they're midwife led they just really feel that like the birth actually happens quicker and more naturally if you just get on with the pain and like Mm -hmm. get on with it and yeah I'm not saying this to upset anybody there's no right or wrong way oh my gosh I've I've got them all different ways. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like you do you, but like that's generally how it runs here. Anyways, so I had to have an emergency C-section, which I wasn't planning on. And obviously immediately ate into these plans that I had about like walking around. And I don't know, it was just like running 100 miles an hour into a brick wall, but like hitting face first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like oh, I'm going to breastfeed. It's a really big, like most people breastfeed here, try to... Oh my God. Like nobody told me I let him latch on and I let him suck on the same nipple for seven hours because nobody told me. And yeah, that hurt. Oh my God. I feel like a really bad sister right now. (laughs) And no, no, I was kidding when I said that a little bit. And yeah, it just things like that. And like, but I mean, oh God, I had this beautiful baby and like, don't get me wrong, I was absolutely in love with him. But he was a massive baby because he was two weeks overdue. So they let you go up to two weeks overdue here. So he was about 10 pounds, just under. And I was trying to breastfeed him and I've I've got this like emergency C-section, which is, you know, like very sore abdomen, just generally quite painful. and. Yeah, like I just remember really struggling with the breastfeeding thing and trying to get him back up to birth weight and like people harassing me about that. And it absolutely just blew my mind. And it was only until I had... Cooper, so I had Cooper naturally, and oh my gosh, like that meant all the serotonin released, all the things that happen when you have a baby naturally, yes. like all those hormonal and chemical reactions in my body happened. Yes. Yeah, And my letdown was so easy, and like breastfeeding was easy, and even yes, though that doesn't was ha- pintile, that doesn't
0: happen when you have a C-section.
3: No, no, it doesn't. No. And I remember just like having this epiphany that I actually had a little bit of postpartum with Finley, which I didn't realize until I had Cooper. And it was just like, I mean, obviously i never got to go to the coffee shop and do those walks because I had never with Finley. And like, you all know, like, until you have your first kid, you've never known tired, like that tired. Like you actually can't even explain it to people that don't have kids. Right. That kind of tired is like, I mean, that's not even real tired. You, nobody can fathom it. you <laughs> right. And we did that thing with Finley, which some people, I think, do with their first kid, where for whatever reason, like, it's like our rational brains shut down. Maybe it goes back to that chimp paradox stuff I was talking in last week's episode. <laughs> but we slept in shifts holding him because we didn't want to put him down in the bed because we were afraid that he was going to, like, die or something. <laughs> mean, obviously with Cooper, we were like, he's fine. Like leave him there. (laughs) If he's not crying, he is good. (laughs) But yeah, with that first one, we just, it was so different. It was still magical and wonderful. And obviously we were wildly in love with our child, but man, did that go down different than we had planned.
0: Then my dear friend, Mindy Scoff. Mindy has been my friend for again, over 20 years. We met in education. Mindy is a mother of three. Mindy has always been my fitness partner over the last 20 years. We have done triathlons together. We've ran together. We've walked together. We've worked out. And I also now have the privilege of working side by side with her as a coach, teaching 5 a.m. fitness classes together. So very privileged to have her as well.
4: First and foremost, like my biggest help as a mom has been the people around me. Like, and I know so many different people who do things in such different ways. And it's just so helpful. Like you had kids before I did. So I could ask you questions about certain things. And I would go to my other friend who has older kids. And I'd be like, what did you do for this? And I think about my mom and some like, because my mom was a working mom. She went back to work when I was like eight or nine. And Mm -hmm. so some of the things that she taught, like that, we did because our, or I did my sister's older. So she was out of the house, but some of the things that we did just to help her, I've used to like, oh, yeah. she had to start doing our laundry when we were in seventh, when I was in seventh grade, I started doing my own laundry. So I had my kids start doing their own laundry. And I kind of just let that go. Cause yeah. like, I can barely keep up on my own laundry. Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, do your laundry. And I, I was, I would get all uptight. And then I'm like, well, boys, if you want to wear dirty, stinky clothes, that's on you. You're old enough to do it yourself. That's it's right. Fine. So I just tried to take everybody's so helpful. I love that. And it's just, if you have people that you trust that you can go to and ask questions and I, I ask my sister a ton of questions. I ask you a ton of questions. I have a group of girlfriends that I ask and we have but it, It's a community, community, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Have to find your tribe. I know that people say that all the time, but. Right. Or it tribe. takes a village. I mean, yeah, oh. all of that. It is all true. Yes. Here's the other piece of advice is be willing to accept help when you need it and provide help when you can too. Right. Don't try to be a martyr. That's the other, like, and it's hard for me. Like, I can't like, like, I feel so responsible. Like these are my kids. Why am I not being able to do everything for them? But it does take a village and you have to be willing to ask for help and accept help when you need it for your sake and then provide help too.
0: You're exactly right. And I think as females, just females in general, you know, whether you're a mother or whether you're, you know, a superstar aunt, you know, or, you know, even just helping your friends raise their children. I I think that as women in general, it's really hard for us to just accept anyone's help because we are so used to doing a lot of it ourselves that we feel like it's our responsibility to just keep going, going, going. But We've got to be open. Like you said, we've got to be open to asking for help. And then I love that you said, and providing help to others when you can.
4: Because it truly is give and take, give and take. People have saved me so many times. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've been able to to give back to other people too, or to, you know, whoever I can. Well, you give back to me, you
0: give back to me every day. I mean, first of all, oh. just the fact that, you know, I get to see your bright smiley face every day, but the energy oh. that you always give, I mean, it's just, I love seeing you and I love to be able to talk to you. And it's I'm, so nice. Like you said, have a group of girlfriends, have a community to be able to yeah. just like release. To be able to just share like what's going yeah. on in each other's lives or stories or, oh my gosh, my kid did this or, oh my gosh, my husband did this. <laughs> All those things. All our, those our ten, things. Our 10 minute parking lot conversations are sometimes <laughs> the best part of my whole day. Pat Inselman, my mother-in-law also joins us and shares a story. Pat is a mother of four, three boys and a daughter, and I'm so grateful for her and her love and for raising such a wonderful man that I can call my husband. I couldn't ask for a better husband and father. So very grateful that Pat was able to join us as well.
5: When we were living in Belgium, we would take these trips and we would go into Holland and they had a children's park there called the Eftling. And it was probably about 85 acres. Wow. And It wasn't an amusement park like Disneyland, but it was four kids. And Brian had to have been five and a half. Eric was four. And there was another couple that we went with. And they had a little boy. So he was probably three. And I'm telling you, for three little boys and two sets of parents, you couldn't have asked for better kids the entire time. They were so good. And there was this one, the park was fables, you know, like um, Three Billy Goats Gruff or or whatever. And there was this one fable where this guy's neck would stretch up and it went clear up into the air. Well, that was probably the last stop that we were. And then we had stopped at a souvenir Booth. We were looking at postcards and stuff like that. And then I went, Where's Eric? He was gone. And you talk about 45 minutes of hell. It yeah. was horrible. We were in a foreign country mm-hmm. and they didn't say, We found a four year old little boy wearing a red sweater and blue jeans. No, it was all Flemish. <laughs> and fortunately, I mean, the four of us parents were dashing from building to building and and searching and looking for him. And I would stop people because I could hear, and they would say, "Junge," And I knew enough German, Mm -hmm. even though Flemish and German are different, to pick up that they were talking about a little boy, Mm -hmm. a four-year-old little boy in a red sweater. And I knew that was Eric. Yeah, and so then I then I had the task was to find the uh, security office, you know, lost and found or whatever. Right. But it really made me focus on how fast
2: mm-hmm.
5: things happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Oh, parents who put their kids in harnesses! Come on, <laughs> can't, you, can't you hang on to your kid? <laughs> Not if they're a runner. <laughs> And then I see some kids that are like, oh yeah, your mom and dad love you enough to keep you safe. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's a
0: very good way to look at it. Your mom and dad love you enough that they don't want to lose you. <laughs> they want yeah. you to stay, especially in big crowded places like that. And then our last guest is Tina Hansen. Tina is my oldest sister and Tina is a mother of three. She has two boys and a daughter And they are all in their 20s and grown. And so she has also kind of a funny story to share with us in addition to successes as well.
6: I feel like I'm on the other side of the mom role kind of because my kids are grown with a a 25-year-old, a 23-year-old, and a 21-year-old. And so my thought was, I'm going to check in with them and see what ask them about a mom's success and what, or an, animal fail. Yeah. So, and I just threw an example out there of different things I was thinking of, because this is a group text because of course the kids don't live at home with me. And so I just sent it out there, you know, like an example of a mom fail could be that time I threw away all the scooters and immediately all of them were, yes, it's the scooters. Definitely it's the scooters. And so then my question was, The thing with the scooters is, okay, it's the youngest child, and he's chipped his two front teeth, oh, three, four times. So he comes home, and he's carrying his scooter, and he's bawling. And, of course, his two front teeth are chipped. So I go into freak out because there are always these traumatic events. The kid's gotten hurt somehow, and then, inevitably, the two front teeth are chipped off again. So this was like it. So I pick up the scooter, and all the other two kids are home. And of course, by now they're out in the garage because they can hear them. I pick up his scooter and I just throw it in the big trash can. And I am, there's cuss words flying. I do make sure the kid is okay. <laughs> <laughs> and are you okay? And once he is, so then I'm just Because it's
0: not like this is the first time it's happened.
6: No, this is probably number three. So anyways, the scooter goes into the trash can. And here are the other two, Taylor and Alex, sitting there looking at all of this. And what do I do? I pick up their scooters, and those also go into the big trash can. Because, by God, nobody gets a scooter anymore. There will be no scooter riding, and no one is going to get hurt or chip their teeth again on a scooter. (laughs) And so, late, you know, I've had incidents later where somebody has brought up one of the three and say, yeah, you remember that time you threw, threw away the scooter? So... As they all responded and said to me, Yes, that was the worst mom fail. I'm like, well, how many times did he really chip his tooth? And when would these all happen? Because I couldn't even place them all. And I think it's because, like I said before, you go through these, they're all traumatic things. He gets hurt and you have this kid coming in screaming and crying, and then there's the missing teeth, of course, you see. So the kids tracked me back and they said, Well, the first time was he had fallen and he fell on and hit his two teeth on tile in one of our older homes and so that was the first time and then again he was outside and I think he hit it he had fallen and tripped off a ladder and once they were replaced, this would be the second time so that they were replaced then then we moved scooter would have been the third time and so here was the thing I totally forgot my three kids of course say this is your biggest mom fail throwing away all the scooters And I just said, well, you know, I didn't want anybody getting hurt again. And it's kind of like that thing, well, someone was talking, so let's punish the whole class. Anyways, every (laughs) screen is thrown away. And (laughs) my daughter responds finally at the end and says, yeah. And to top it off, to make, make it even worse, he again chipped his tooth by eating a donut. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even remember that part. So after I made the whole big ordeal about scooters and throwing them away, here's the kid takes a bite of a donut and he chips on my head. <laughs> So my response back to the three of them was, well, I guess that meant there were no donuts ever again. <laughs> that and mom, went, mom went crazy and she threw all of our scooters away. Yeah, so I think what I need to do one Christmas just for a joke oh, is yes. to buy three scooters again like that. And that was, remember, it was back then when those Razor scooters oh, came yeah. out and they were different colors. They were so cool. Yeah, and they, think, God, why did I do that? I, I'm the one who bought them, so I just threw all that money away too. But it was just <laughs> one of those moments where you're a freak. Going back to the fact that I am mom on the other side with grown kids, I came up with my reflection of my two parenting successes. The first one was just the fact that I do have three yeah. grown up kids who are successful, they're independent, Right. they're caring, and they're hardworking kids. They're very happy. hardworking kids, yes. They're all three very happy. They've chosen different paths, but they're all happy, end of kids, adults right. now. And so, that's it. ultimately all parents want their kids really is happiness. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And each kid finds their own path. Right. And so, to me, that's my number one success as a parent. Those kids are all happy. Right. Right. Good. Good humans and that are in the world. I was just gonna productive. say,
0: and they're just all such good,
6: caring, loving people. Mm-hmm. We all raised. Our kids together, our grand, our parents, so their grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. You know, we we all supported one another. We all grew our families together, and still growing with you guys. Actually, always still growing always. our families together, still supporting one another. And it, I look at it as it is a parenting success on all three of us girls' parts because we have. I don't know if "allowed" is the right word to use. But we have made that and allowed that within all of our family units. I think allowed is a good place. take on that. Yeah. And I look at our family as a whole, and we have, you know, great individuals and not being probably in low bias, but really good people within our family, every yeah. single person. But as I reflected on that, not any one of us would be who we are without all of us. Together, yeah, and what we have created within growing our families and growing ourselves. And so, I think as a parent success, I look back on how much impact our mom and dad have had on all of our kids. And even with Shelby being in London, the fact that they get over there, they do the Zoom and they see those kids. So, just it's been a huge impact. And I think that's a success and a, a tribute to a parenting tribute to all of us within the adults within our family
0: thank you for joining me for this week's episode of six pack i hope you've enjoyed what you've heard today please share this episode with a friend and if you haven't already click subscribe rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player have a beautiful week and tell the important people in your life just how much you care about them much love and blessings to you all